Hello and welcome to Powerful Possibilities, a guide to ADHD from diagnosis and beyond. I'm your host Catherine and I'm a certified ADHD coach with my own experience of a diagnosis of ADHD and autism in my 40s. My career is dedicated to helping people like you navigate the misunderstood areas of ADHD. So whether you're recently diagnosed, you think you might be ADHD, or you're looking to better understand your journey so far, this is your new go-to platform for your insights and transformative strategies. Grab your coffee, settle in, and let's unlock the potential that's just waiting for you. You're in the right place. Welcome to the first episode of Powerful Possibilities, a new podcast that's going to help you navigate your journey from a new diagnosis of ADHD onwards. I'm Catherine, I'm an ADHD coach, and I was diagnosed with ADHD and autism in my early 40s. This first episode, we're going to look at the emotional journey you might experience after being diagnosed with ADHD, especially as an adult. Now, if you're a parent of a young person who's also being diagnosed with ADHD, I'm going to suggest take time to check you, your partner or your other family members are not also somewhere within that group and be prepared for some of the emotions that I'm going to talk about coming up for your young person at any age. And yes, young teenagers who have a diagnosis of ADHD may also feel some of these negative emotions and if you're prepared for them you're going to manage them a lot better. I recently spoke to an amazing lady over 60 who had recently decided that the way she felt was ADHD and having spent an hour talking to her I do not diagnose ADHD but the way we were able to have a conversation was the way that I normally have a conversation with other people with ADHD let's put it that way and she delightfully described her brain as a box of toys and didn't feel that it had held her back but did feel that it explained an awful lot so if you are a person with a brain like a box of toys and if you have felt that sometimes it's gotten in the way of a life that you would have enjoyed had it been different I want to walk through some of the emotions that you might experience and think about what's next. The first thing we're going to talk about is the traditional stages of grief and how they can apply after you have a diagnosis of ADHD. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross described five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. And although I don't think they need to come in that order, I think that they are something many of us experience at different stages after we learn about ADHD, recognise our own experience and our brain and the challenges we may have had and then receive a diagnosis sooner or later. And it's worth framing our experience within these five stages so that you feel that there is something at the end of it. And the first thing she talks about is denial and it's quite common even if we are not in denial for the people around us to deny our reality. I had a client in her 
late 40s and early 50s, who described the response of her lifelong friends, people she'd grown up with. And they literally rolled their eyes and said, oh, well. <laughs> and that, that absolute dismissal of her revelation that this was why she had always found something's difficult, why she reacted the way she did, why some things hadn't happened in her life that she may have wanted because of ADHD and her friends just said, oh, well, yeah, everybody's got ADHD now. Or they belittled her experience. And quite often with parents, older parents, we may feel reluctant to share our diagnosis or our understanding of our brain, our neurobiology, because not only is this a new language and not only is this a still you know, some lots of people debate the reality of ADHD, even though it's demonstrably true. I think also there's a bit of shame. There's some cultural shame in certain age groups. Certain cultures are still very ashamed of things like ADHD and autism. So denial might be something that you experience from other people more than yourself. But then some of us will deny ADHD. If a young person, if our child is diagnosed, we may think, I don't have that. And yet, looking around at your life, an observer, objective observer may say, actually, you take a lot of these boxes. So just have a check if you are the parent of a young person with ADHD. Are you ticking more boxes than you expect? And are you in denial of that? And why are you anxious about what it might mean for you, for your family, for your career? If your family or your friends are in denial, are you able to gently let them go and focus on yourself and your own path through this? I think that's probably the easiest way to go through these things. And for most of my clients, I say, how can we make this easy? How easy can we make what we're dealing with here? And can we choose to make it easy? So moving on to anger, this is a really common one. And it's not just because emotional dysregulation is a big element in ADHD. Dr. Russell Barclay talks about emotional dysregulation as one of the core components of ADHD. And I think he is spot on. So anger is a big, powerful, strong emotion. It's something we tend to associate more with young people with ADHD, but adults also experience it. We might be better at holding it in. We may internalise it. And so anger that we have maybe missed out on opportunities that would have been accessible if we had understood why certain things were so difficult. Anger that other people have maybe denied their observations of our difficulties. Maybe we are angry that we have had to wait two to five years for a diagnosis. And unfortunately, this is very common in the UK at the moment. If you're able to get a diagnosis at all, so anger is a big part of the processing of a diagnosis of ADHD. Don't turn it in on yourself. Try to avoid blaming other people. Generally, they're operating from a position of ignorance and they don't know better. 
and become aware of what is pushing your hot button. I have several. And knowing what is going to push them helps a lot. And once we get through anger, we may uh, experience some bargaining, either from ourselves. We may say, well, if I get up at five every morning, have a nice bath, I take 50 quid's worth of vitamins every day. If I run every day, then I won't have to deal with ADHD anymore. And if you can do that, fabulous. But I would question ADHD as a diagnosis if you're able to do all of that for more than a few weeks at a time consistently every single day without a very high cost. I mean, I think we can power through these things, but there's always a risk of burnout, which is something we'll look at in future. So you may bargain yourself out of being ADHD because you have a negative association with that term. And it is a terrible description for our neurobiological profile. But the other people who may bargain are our families and they may say, well, you know, maybe you're just a bit stressed. Maybe it's just your hormones. Maybe, you know, they come up with all these reasons and try to, it's kind of a, if I do this, then you won't be ADHD. And again, that's from a place of negativity. One of the things I want to do in the podcast is talk about Yes, ADHD is a disability and it is a challenge. And I know lots of people who have had a hard time would rather not have it. Let's be honest. But at the same time, it's not the, it's, it's not the unavoidable negative headlines that you see, especially in ADHD Awareness Month. And I want to touch on that at the end of the podcast today. But the final two ones that we need to look at are depression and acceptance and you may have seen my recent article about depression and ADHD it's something I've personal experience with and I now know people with ADHD are three times more likely to have a diagnosis of clinical depression as an adult as a neurotypical person and that's not just because life is inherently more stressful when you are managing the cognitive load that travels with ADHD in adulthood. There is a biological element to this. So on top of having to reframe your experience and your past through this new lens of ADHD, you are now having to accept that there are some things that are always going to be hard. And that is a difficult one, isn't it? That is hard. So you're allowed to feel depressed and angry and frustrated and sad all of these things will come up the other side of depression is that you sink into it and this is something we'll look at in future rumination and ADHD and I think with depression the temptation is to settle into it and when you look at the statistics yes it's pretty grim People with ADHD are three times more likely to have a diagnosis of clinical depression. We also know there's a high correlation between ADHD, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. We know there is a strong connection between a shorter lifespan. There's also a lot of evidence of being in the criminal justice system, addiction to different substances, obesity, 
diabetes, I think the adult diabetes rate is something like two times the average in the ADHD population. And these are all things we're going to discuss, but when you look at that, of course you're going to feel depressed. I want to reassure you, these are figures for adults who are undiagnosed, untreated and unsupported. Things can change. You have the power to change. And all of these changes are possible, which is why I called the podcast Powerful Possibilities, because these things are possible. I'm not saying they don't exist. This isn't about positivity and toxic positivity and positive thinking. It's about powerful possibilities and what you can achieve with knowledge with knowledge and compassion and love and that's what this is all about the final stage for elizabeth kubler ross was acceptance and this is where i tend to meet people they've gone through a diagnosis or they're on the path to a diagnosis quite often given the length of time we have to wait at the moment and they have decided that yes they have ADHD, they've accepted that, and they are looking for ways to change. That's where we meet. And I love, love it when people come and they have all this information because there's that wonderful hyper-focus, that thirst for knowledge, that zest that quite often accompanies ADHD. When we grasp something, we really go for it. And I love that so much. It's why I love working with other ADHD adults and teens. And so when you're at the acceptance stage, you kind of look around and think, right, what next? And that's where we're going to go from. We're going to go from discovering your ADHD to what you do next. And that's what the rest of the podcast episodes are all going to be about. That's what the rest of the series is all going to be about. And so the second part, there are two sides to the relief of a diagnosis of ADHD in adulthood. And the first is that we feel like we can put down this weight, we can let go of this heavy, heavy weight that we've been carrying for a long time. And the relief is the, the one you feel when you roll your shoulders after you put down some heavy shopping bags. You know that feeling, you've been to the supermarket, you get out, you put seven or eight shopping bags on two arms, stagger up to your front door, get in. It's that relief of putting in, putting them down. The job is done and you are now officially an ADHD adult. Or you may be quite happily self-diagnosed and we will discuss the pitfalls of a diagnosis at different points in your life. But I think the other thing we want to talk about with relief is that in some ways it allows us to let go of guilt. And guilt and shame and fault are things that travel very commonly with a late ADHD diagnosis. It's a fault that somehow we've done something wrong. And that's not surprising considering the number of messages we get that tell us we've done something wrong consistently throughout our lives the shame that somehow we're chronically failing and I call them micro failures because yes we do make some spectacular mistakes but so does everyone right everyone makes big mistakes at some point and that's just part of being human 
and we don't stop being human because we have ADHD. But it's the daily micro failures that build up this inner shame and guilt that somehow we're not quite doing it right. We're not quite making the grade as adults. And this starts early, especially with teenagers going through exams, trying to study. The transition from primary to secondary education especially is a trigger. So by the time I meet people in their 30s and onwards, the burden of shame and guilt that they just could have tried harder is a big one. So the relief that we feel when we have a diagnosis is also from being able to put that down. And in the show notes, I'll reference a couple of papers that you can look at to go further into, you know, the scientific data around relief. And once you've got this ADHD diagnosis, what happens to who you are? How does it change your identity? And so one of the questions that people quite often go through is, is it me or is it ADHD? How can I tell what is me as a person and what is this ADHD, this new thing that is a label that's been given me? And recently there was a, shall we say, a famous psychotherapist who said that ADHD is now a fashion and it's become an identity for people. It's a social contagion. Let me just say that my eyes rolled so far back at that. It was just an incredibly insensitive and thoughtless thing to say. When we have a diagnosis of ADHD, it's about your brain, how your brain functions. And of course, your brain in Western thinking is where your sense of self comes from. It's who you are. It all comes from your brain. And so, of course, if you have a diagnosis of a neurobiological condition like ADHD, you're going to question who you are, yourself, your identity. And so it's important to give yourself time to process that and to really think about what are my values? What are my needs? What are my core beliefs? What are the things that ADHD has nothing to do with? Or if it does have something to do with, it doesn't matter. For example, lots of adults with ADHD have a very strong sense of justice and fairness. Would you want to change that? Really? Is that a negative thing to have this passion for fairness and honesty, for authenticity? Do we really want to let go of the, I call it the quirkiness that sometimes comes from an ADHD diagnosis later in life? I think give yourself some space and time to really think about who you want to be. Because, as I've said before, an ADHD diagnosis doesn't stop you being a fully human being in the world with your own unique past, history, experiences, joys, interests. All of these things are part of who you are. And if there's a bit of ADHD involved in directing that interest, that's not always going to be a bad thing but you need to give yourself some space to anticipate questioning 
yourself and your sense of identity. And that is also extremely normal. Finally, let's think about coping strategies and acceptance. Strategies are things that people seem to put in place because they feel that they need to change. And yes, we do need strategies for things that we cannot change. For example, remembering to reorder our prescription, paying bills on time, remembering our long-term goals when we are faced with a delicious buffet and yet one of our values is health and well-being. So there are reasons that we might need to include strategies. I want to gently suggest that we reframe the ADHD community dialogue and stop focusing on, in quotes, coping strategies that are about not experiencing the fullness of our life for fear of what might happen if we choose to experiment and play and see what's possible when we're not trying to shoehorn ourselves into a neurotypical box. I want to be very clear. I am not going to be pitting neurotypical against neurodivergent people in this podcast. I believe that every single person is weird in our own unique way. And that's what makes life fun. That's what makes life interesting. And just because I'm talking about ADHD doesn't mean that some of the things we discuss will not be relevant, whether you have a diagnosis or not. But to think about coping strategies in terms of ADHD, I want to ask if we can move away from this idea that it's all about coping. Coping suggests that we're in a deficit, we're in a negative place. I want you to think about possibility strategies and how that changes how you approach your daily life. There are three things that I would share that make the processing of a diagnosis easier for everyone. The first is to give yourself time. And the tendency I see quite often is for people to jump in both feet right into the ADHD online community, watch endless tech talks, and those are a very dubious basis quite often. We all know that there's a lot of unreliable information, in fact, disinformation on there. You listen to endless podcasts, you order all the books, you maybe go on a few courses online and before you know it, you're actually sick of ADHD. And that has an impact because you think, well, maybe I'm sick of myself. If I have ADHD and I'm sick of this, then maybe I'm kind of fed up with me. So I'm going to ask you to give yourself time. This is a whole of life condition. It's not going anywhere. You don't need to know everything. Nobody's going to come up and say, we're the ADHD police. Do you understand the genetic expression of the DAT1 gene and how that impacts your dopamine transporter cells? No, nobody is going to come up and ask you questions like that. And if they do, I've had a couple of people say, well, if you find caffeine stimulating, you can't be ADHD. If people do say stuff like that, just smile and walk away. They're really not worth getting upset about. So take yourself some time, give yourself some grace, 
and allow yourself to dip a toe into the ADHD water before you start jumping in. The, think of it as the difference between doing a big gigantic belly flop and just gently lowering yourself in from the side of the pool using the ladders and just getting comfortable in the water before you overload your brain. And this is a big ask. So if you do find yourself swimming in the rapids, don't worry, it's normal. That's what we do. Be aware, though, that you may benefit from giving yourself a bit of time. The second thing I would suggest you do is look at self-compassion. Self-compassion, as described by Dr. Kristen Neff, is one of the most powerful ways you can manage your emotions. One of the most powerful ways you can change, literally change your thinking and your brain. And we'll be looking at that more in future episodes, but look for Dr. Kristen Neff and her self-compassion videos and resources. They're free online. And finally, mindfulness. And this is a really big hot button for lots of people because mindfulness isn't about sitting still. It's not about sitting still for half an hour and observing your thoughts. Well, it can be, but it doesn't have to be for us. And I'm going to be sharing some of my favourite mindfulness approaches and also producing and sharing some mindfulness audio tracks that you can listen to that will help and will work with your version of ADHD. Okay, but being mindful of when we start to spiral, when we start to panic, when we start to feel that anger, that depression, that frustration, mindfulness and self-compassion combined bring you back to a place where you're moving into acceptance and life begins to feel more open and the possibilities open up for you again. So that's the end of our first episode where we looked at the five stages of post-diagnosis ADHD acceptance or grief. We may experience some denial, some anger, some bargaining, some depression and finally some acceptance. And I hope that looking at each of them was a reference to how I've seen people manage ADHD and some of the issues that might come up and might be happening for you right now or that you may recognize and think oh that's what was going on it's been really useful for you if you check out the show notes I've got a list of articles that you can go and check some of them are quite academic but I hope they're useful as well as a couple of books and of course Dr Kristen Neff's website and I really hope that they help you to process your own diagnosis or to understand maybe what a partner or a family member is going through because the best thing you can do if you're not the person going through this post-diagnosis journey is just to offer some compassion and some safety around their emotions. If you found this really useful, please share it with somebody else, especially if you're going through diagnosis and maybe your family don't understand. But I would love to hear from you. What was your experience as an adult of having a diagnosis? Did you have this big relief? Did you experience joy? Or did you find it a profoundly challenging experience? Let me know. And if you've got questions about any of this or any other topics on ADHD, send them in and they will be answered in future episodes. Thank you for joining us today on Powerful Possibilities Navigating ADHD from New Diagnosis and Beyond. 
we're all about equipping you with the tools and insights that you need to thrive. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and share it with someone else you know who might benefit or who you want to understand you better. Remember, your journey with ADHD is an ongoing journey of growth, but you're not alone anymore. Until next time, this is Catherine reminding you that with the right guidance, the possibilities really are powerful and endless. Take care.